Welcome to the Pain Podcast, presented by Le Peuple Scientifique. We are thrilled to bring you a platform that unites clinicians, researchers, and pain advocates in sharing a pursuit, understanding pain. In this series of podcasts, we aim to bridge the gap between scientific knowledge and practical applications in the field of pain. Our episodes will feature insightful discussions with leading experts, exploring the latest research findings, innovative treatments and emerging trends in the realm of pain. Whether you are a healthcare professional seeking evidence-based practices, a researcher diving into the depths of the pain mechanisms, or a dedicated advocate striving to improve the lives of individuals in pain, you are welcome. Check out our website, get confident and competent in treating pain. Start today. Welcome to another pain podcast hosted by Le Pub Scientifique. Uh, my name is Tim Beams. I'm a co-founder of Le Pub Scientifique and a pain specialist physio and pain educator. And today I'm going to be asking my good friend uh, Bart Van Bookham about what excites him in the world of pain and particularly how, that, how that's influenced his clinical work. So quick introduction for Bart who he, he's, he's on the other side of the table today, yeah. literally and metaphorically. So Bart's normally uh, doing the questioning and, and, and uh, does a spectacular job of, of um, probing with our guests. Um, Bart is a pain specialist physio as well and pain educator. Um, just to set the scene, we are sitting in the sunshine, we're actually, we're under a shade. We're having a beer on Zandvoort Beach and you can, you can uh, here we go, like, here, cheers. There That's we go. It. There you go. So we are live. Um, so let's kick it off. And uh, but, mm. what's right now? What excites you? What gets you going in the in the world of pain, and, and particularly thinking of from a clinical perspective? Mm. That's a great question, um, Tim. And it's the thing that excites me is that I feel like as a clinician, we're in a, we're living in exciting times. I guess things are moving fast. I think clinic has been very similar, very com- maybe to some degree somewhat uh, not so progressive over the last decades. And I've, I've, my feeling is that there is some true progression happening in the last 10 to maybe 15 years since I was graduated. And um, yes, and I, the emerging merging psychology and social aspects and learning from other professions is the thing that excites me definitely the most. I enjoy time with spending time with a neurologist, with a psychologist, with learning from exercise physiologists. That really, really, really gets me going. And um, and the other thing is that I think it, the merging also realized we, we're trying to make the same thing happen. Right? We're trying to help people, and therefore, we. And I think the science, and that's what really excites me, that if we follow science and we do it over and over and over again, we will end up like doing somewhat the same things, right? We, from a, even you be a manual therapist, you would, from a manual therapy approach, you would you would learn or been expected to do 
having attention from someone's behavior and their cognitions and their psychology or mental state at that moment. And the psychologist will definitely accept and acknowledge the need for touch, for example. So, and in the end, I believe we meet in the middle. Mm. And the, the, the research that's been so far is we can, the, the, as best we can do, is actually that we have to take the best of both worlds. Mm. So that's what excites me, and I really feel like being part of that. Yeah. How, so, like, it's a lovely point. I, I mean, I've got a few th sort of th thoughts about that. Is well, it, for other clinicians out there, you were saying about connecting with with other professionals and um, and merging some of that understanding. But how, like, like the literal practicalities of how do you go about linking and connecting with other professionals? And is that something that you're consciously doing, or are you? S yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's trying to start that conversation with a neurologist, for example, about a patient and trying. Well, you have to find the right person, obviously, but most of them seem to be very um, seem to be very aware of they are not the only experts in the room, and they need to figure out something better because. The big problem of pain, and as it is in a like epidemic uh, measures, is definitely something we can't solve as physiotherapists. And neurologists won't claim the problem. So I think we had someone say like, pain is owned by everyone, but by no one. So, mm. so there is something like because it's tough. Well, we, we feel responsible for someone's health and pain is a very common or maybe the most common symptom of a healthcare issue, I guess. And uh, so we would like to help, but we don't want to own it <laughs> because you want to get rid of it, right? Yeah. Um, so I see these, these are massive challenges, obviously. And, but being, even though I'm, I'm working in a clinic, right? So only physios around and we did some um, we, had, we have had some, some collaboration with uh, uh, psychologists in our, um, in our clinic and that was really helpful. But now this psychologist is not there anymore. You just have to try a bit harder to find the connections. Mm -hmm. And I found by being explicit about what you are doing, open, mm -hmm. this is what I am, this is what I do, it actually creates this opportunity to talk about your approaches and where actually you do exactly the same and trying to not trying to bash another clinician so oh, I shouldn't go to the psychologist or so there's nothing right no let us see if we can work together and trying to find the, the middle way if you like so it is, it's an interesting process that I've been going through um, um, but I, I, I do see the challenges of a clinician in, in, in a primary or in a primary practice um, regardless the profession, even neurologists will have, to some degree, will be on their own, right? So yeah. once the patient is in, you, you're there. <laughs> it just, but um, yeah, so I've seen that my clinic has definitely been evolving yeah. and yeah. developed to a more collaborative approach in general. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, and, and also from what we know about pain, it, it seems like that's the, 
most sensible um, approach, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It's taking the best from, from everywhere. Um, Absolutely. I just want to come back, because you had a quote, and I want to make sure I'm right. Pain is owned by everyone and no one. Is, is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean by that? It's a lovely um, expression. Um, I think we can't, we won't be able to... I think pain is something we know is normal, part of life, but you want to get rid of it. Or in a, in a more clinical sense, it's like patient comes in, complains about pain. So we own that patient, right? So the patient is the right address, so we've got knee pain. So I only, I'm a knee specialist. And then the pain doesn't resolve. Oh, I don't want to see the patient anymore because it doesn't work, right? So it doesn't, my therapy doesn't have any effect whatsoever. Mm. Um, especially in chronic conditions, I think it's typically that where nobody wants to own it. And I think I, I can see that, I can feel that as well. Mm. But I think it's a lack of understanding and a lack of options and support and confidence in the clinician or within the clinician or the doctor itself that feels like, all right, I'm going to start this conversation and, and I'm owning this problem as much as the patient does and so on. And I think you need to own it to some degree to be able to help someone. Otherwise, it's very much like it's your issue. Help yourself. And if people would be able to do that, you would be redundant, right? So they won't see you. <laughs> so you have to own it to some degree. And um, yeah, and I see the, the, the challenge that that comes with, because I think I lived over those. I've, I've been there, done that. Yeah. And I'm not saying by any means that I'm a specialist in a, the best there is or whatsoever, but I can say I feel comfortable also in failing. <laughs> comfortable in, in trying to figure out something because I think we can always can help be helpful for someone it's all by definition what is effect does not necessarily reduce pain mm. could also be being more comfortable with the idea that pain can be there or the meaning of it so yeah that, 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 that's a sort of a progress you have to make as a because we're not trained like that mm. and I think a previous episode we had with Roland Rezik who and uh, that Hit the hit pretty hit the um, the the top top three of our podcast so far number so um, that I think we relate to that so this is not what we learned at uni mm, yeah. it's a different <laughs> it's a different profession holy shit <laughs> what's happening yeah. this is not where I'm trained for this is I didn't sign up for this um, and you have to go through that process to make it work yeah. um, today I guess. So there's a couple of things that you, like, are interesting there. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you've said you've evolved. Um, do you, I mean, what, what am I really wondering about is, is um, it, what's, it's like, what, how do you see yourself now if we look back 10 years ago? Like what, what is the important evolution that you've had to go through or you've taken yourself through then? Uh, that's a great question, Tim. So, I think you have to be able to to learn while you're working. Um, so, I'm biased by background, obviously, with 
the learning bits. So I'm quite excited about seeing therapy. Therapy is not like doing someone doing something to someone. Mm -hmm. I think it's help people to progress and challenge people in their learning. And when it's about self-management, I hate that term, by the way, but I think it's being able to look after yourself, but it's also being able to learn by experience and learn by new information and how to develop yourself. Mm. When you, for example, when you've been diagnosed with diabetes, you have to learn shitload of <laughs> stuff to, to make it work for yourself in your life. And, and if you don't, you will get in trouble. And I think it's exactly the same with pain. You need to learn, and not everyone learns the same way and does have the same level of skill level, or is that, yeah, the skill set doesn't necessarily include self-regulated learning, for example. Some people do it by nature, and that's great, mm -hmm. because these are not the patients you see. I think these are the patients that Ronnie Thompson, for example, had been describing in her PhD or uh, in, her, um, um, in her thesis, where she was trying to find people that didn't seek help and had chronic pain. Mm. These were all like very clear to me were like very strong regulated learners that they were like finding their own information and they knew exactly what they needed and they paced their progress and they, they did everything what a good learner mm. would do. And as a therapist um, by train myself, I don't see that as a skill set that is being taught. Right. So what happens when you see patients, how can you progress and develop yourself? Mm. And I think another quote, I think it was Laura, Laura Rathbone, is aiming to, to look after yourself as a clinician, for example. Like, I'm, just, I'm not sure, that, there's no quote there, but I'm, I, she made me realize, like, yeah, there is some embarrassing emotional torture there, out there for a therapist. If you're not in an environment where you been supported mm. I think that's yeah you've been you're not equipped to do this like like training a heart surgeon to do a knee surgery for example yeah you used to do something with the bodies and they just say you can do that right try it and you figure out oh shit I can't do that mm. and all the uncomfortableness goes with it and I think that's in 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 pain care I think that happens a lot, that we don't necessarily feel equipped. Right, yeah. Um, and I also learned that developing my skills just in like getting, increasing my knowledge didn't necessarily always been helpful. Right. So some, sometimes that has been really distressing me. What, what's made it distressing? Yeah, because it's like, when you know more, it's like getting more complicated in a way. <laughs> Sometimes I've thought, um, I, I've, I've experienced that when I'm teaching, or I'm sorry, I'm not teaching, I'm, I'm uh, treating patients with a, a non-Dutch a non background. Yeah. Um, so speak, English is my second language, which I think I do well, but it's like hard work for me, but it also, forces me to reduce my language <laughs> and uh, I found myself being more topical and actually more, well, I think I'm more to the point in English and my patients seem to do well when I treat them and or communicate in English at least. Yeah. 
and I couldn't enjoy that. So, um, so an advice if you're listening, try another language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not sure my Dutch is up to that. <laughs> <at the moment. laughs> I wouldn't recommend Dutch though, but, yeah. but maybe it would be Irish or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, again, like you're bringing up a whole bunch of of really interesting points. Um, Like you talked about learning and self-regulated learning. Um, For those people who aren't really familiar with with, you know, doing going, taking yourself through that process of Mm. learning. Are there any um, sort of tips or hints that you can offer for people, for clinicians that will allow them to better engage in that process of learning? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, just back to the clinic, right? So every 30 minutes, a new mm. patient. It doesn't, that doesn't help you with regulated learning, self-regulated learning. You have to, by halfway the day, for example, what I do, I take, I'd rather spend five minutes pre-reading the, the file. Yeah, yeah. And taking out like five minutes of one-on-one contact instead of just trying to start on time. So the five minutes gives me like a little moment. So, and I can finish it up when I feel like, well, this is a big story. I need to process this. It's like a lot of information, new information for me. It could be like clinical reasoning, right? It could yeah. be anything like, oh my God, this is a lot. So I, I'm, I'm breaking up the conversation at some point. So I really need some time to so really figuring out your story. And, and um, if that's all right, we finish the session right now so I can take a five minute before my next patient arrives Lovely. Yeah. to 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 write down what I've what you've been telling me and I've never ever heard anyone complaining about that mm. they all appreciate it because most people with long lasting condition pain conditions were yeah. always felt like not believed not heard built abandoned and they rather spend 20 minutes with you like effectively instead of 30 minutes or 25 and not being hurt so yeah. it's it's a no-brainer so so saving or make sure that you take time to to reflect basically that's what it is yeah. i think it's a it's a cycle of reflection and having reflection as a part of your day-to-day business or it's also about making decisions in my opinion so it's not about you can do it but you you can learn absolutely you can learn you can learn reflecting and so there's a lot of you can there's a lot to read about reflecting but i think it comes down to wait wait for a minute okay yeah, <laughs> and yeah. think about it what happened what made you feel yeah. uh, if you feel frustrated why does it make you feel frustrated okay. um, because I think that's the only way to, so yeah, self-regulate learning is not about doing better all the time. It's about know what you've done, mm-hmm. learning from the things you've done correctly. So like, this was really good, yeah. but also learn from the things that didn't go that well uh, and write them down, right? So follow your process and everyone would have a different approach doing that. Some people love to write. You should write <laughs> if you love to wander and I go I usually go for a run and then ideas and things popping up like all relationships and whatever <laughs> uh, that I can can figure out it's a lot it's interesting it's my brain or my, my mind the kind of way of working I need to do something else to yeah yeah get my reflection mode on 
That's a lovely bit of advice, really, isn't it? So as I'm hearing it, it's quite common for someone. I mean, you know, we've both worked in physio practices and, and hospitals where you see people without a gap between yeah. appointments. You know, one person, then another person, another person. So giving yourself a bit of space between people and 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 asking permission to to process what you've been listening to their story is I think it's a really lovely way of bringing some some space in but also that ability to reflect and think and, and process because and, and, and just from my perspective as I'm as we're talking I'm just thinking how much information daily does someone have to process as well and, <laughs> and some of it is such complex information you know the the, the way that a story is, is sort of mingled, meshed together, there's such complexity within yeah. there, isn't there? It's endless. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which can be exciting as well, can't it? It but, is. But, it, it, but equally, it can be quite overwhelming if, if there's just so much there to, to, try and, to try and figure out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, d like, on the thread that you, you were t telling me about, so... You, you said about um, self-regulated learning as a process of, of looking after yourself as a clinician. I'm wondering whether the, also the running probably fits that you were just mentioning, but have you got any other things that you identify or, or you specifically put into your day or your week that are around uh, care of yourself as a clinician? Mm. I think my role as a teacher has been very massively important because I found out that um, being vocal about the things I think and um, my way my best way of learning is basically sit down talk I learn while I'm talking right now we didn't prepare anything of this no. so and it just popped up and I think I learned a bit already because that's the way how I process things so I need to talk mm. I need to communicate to be able to increase my learning um, capacity I guess mm. Um, I can do some mind wandering, but not as good as some other people can do, and I'm not forcing myself to do so. When it happens, it happens, right? Mm. Uh, but I do very so. I need someone to talk to and um, to bounce my ideas mm. off and see what is left after that. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you need to find your your competitors and your companions in that, right? So find it, not just people who are just stroking your bias. Yeah. Just people like, really do, it's great to have a conversation with them and you're a therapist. Like, and running these podcasts, for example, is like a great way of bouncing off ideas from their side, but also from my side and, and really getting, well, actually, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> and that's, yeah. uh, and I can see that that's, that's something that I, I feel really lucky to have guess it's like genetic or whatever but it's like when when an idea drops I really can see the relationship straight away and I can see how I could fit it into my clinical encounters mm. uh, and I'm and maybe that's some listeners would um, relate or would resonate as well it's like when you're excited about something first patient go for it <laughs> mm. no reservation just trying to to get an approach or try to sort of explore that idea or that um, that way of approaching uh, your patient it would be a strategy or a, a, an exercise or whatsoever. Yeah, I love it. Free of, of uh, a fear of failure. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we see what, not even, may not even be so relevant. So for example, we had this, I had once experienced this years ago, this is with this sitting on a balloon. You can actually sit on a balloon and you would feel like- My kids love doing that and rolling around on balloons. And yeah, that's yeah. great. And just sit on like full weight, right? Yeah. You would like, that thing's going to bang, right? And it, it, it really scares you. But I've done it with so many patients and and it, it sort of excited me that well, you learn from this, right? This is an exciting learning opportunity for me, but also for my patients to get a grip of what happens in your body when you're really afraid to something. Ah, lovely. Yeah. But what's happening? What do you feel? What is your breathing going? What's happening? You're, oh, you stopped breathing, actually. I saw your heart rate go up. Oh, your blood pressure must go through the roof right now. Let's, let's, let's see. It's really happening. So it's really like an experimental approach which is like really really excites me to do that and it makes the, the sessions with patients especially with patients with conditions like chronic pain is yeah. it's great because it's not about the pain but it's about how does your body responds reflexes and and that's like the big exploring thing and you can easily say after that exploration well let's explore further see you next week great oh i'm excited about that <laughs> instead of Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm terrible. Oh, I feel shit. Oh, no, that's sad. Well, let's go for another. Let's go for another try. No, 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 no. Let's go for it. No, no, no. Oh, they don't want it. They don't want it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so much more pain. So no, let's go exploring, and it, that makes it so much more comfortable in the way we um, see our profession. I guess so feeling that freedom and go for it. The balloon experiment. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I'm hearing as well is how creative you can be. So, uh, I mean, it's. I can see why it's exciting for you. You know, exciting times. You said in the world of pain at the moment, and and things are progressing. And yeah, I I, I, I share those sentiments as well. And and you know, much much. Um, yeah, it's much better to to feel that there is so so many uh, places we can explore isn't there there's so much yeah. more open to us um, if we can lend borrow whatever is some idea I'm gonna steal your idea of the balloon anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a couple then of things you've brought up um, for people who've not heard of the expression mind wandering Mm. Um, what is it to you, and, and uh, why why did you bring that up? Um, it was in it was in context with um, looking after or caring for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I would my my definition of mind wandering would be sitting, walking, or whatever you do, um, evaluating your thoughts, um, re relive or yeah, really, the, the, an experience that you had before, trying to figure out just all within within the context of within the context of of a of a situation where you're not. So it's basically visualization, I guess. But plus, you can create all kinds of um, uh, all kinds of scenarios, and I think scenario building could be something of mind wandering. It doesn't necessarily have a an aim or an objective, but it's just by doing it. And it sometimes gives me. It sometimes happens, and I know, uh, for example, Lorimer, Lorimer mostly he he does daily mind wandering. It's 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 one of his styles, 
um, and this is maybe it's one of the most important styles and then writing stuff down so that, that could be a way of doing it right so there's no correct or better way I think it's really what fits your your preferences and what helps what works for you yeah 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 and, and what i'm hearing is what what works for you isn't necessarily what works for everybody as well Absolutely. so yeah yeah um i'm going to completely switch tack um and you mentioned something that i think sounded a bit provocative you said you hate the phrase self-management um I mean, given that we work with people in pain and, and with persistent pain states, yeah, yeah. many people will have come across the ideas around pain self-management or the self-management of pain. Um, and a lot of people buy into that as well. So yeah. why do you maybe hate it's why a language, <laughs> Maybe it's a language thing, but there is, I think it does necessarily, it depends what you're meaning. Yeah? So yeah. by definition, so I think it's a very, businessy term mm. so and I think it's somewhat I don't necessarily associate management with creativity or freedom mm. I find it quite restricted okay yeah, yeah. Um, so um, so I don't and, and maybe that's something because it, we use in Dutch we also use the word management mm. and we uh, and therefore it's a word that is not necessarily have a, like a true Dutch meaning. So okay, we right. may have a different um, of, yeah, idea with that. Mm. On the other hand, there is management where I feel like my patients don't see this as like typically something, we're not gonna do anything about your pain. We just have to learn to live with it. Mm. So it is, it's associated yeah. with learn to live with it and therefore there is a very strong feeling that goes with the stigmatization so we so you have to, you have to you actually we can't do anything so do it yourself mm, yeah yeah, um, yeah although there might be well-meaning intention behind that absolutely it's not it's not i think that using techniques or approaches that su support your self-management or mm. your self-efficacy yeah is definitely a go Absolutely, you can't do with a hundred right? So you need that. That's maybe in some cases it's the, the main thing. I think it should always be a part of the treatment, on a, in any case. But the way we, how we uh, label it may push some people away from something that is actually um, uh, what they what actually what they need. And what I find interesting, just just on a note of the. Um, so some people would have a very explicit idea of this is what I want. And I, I'm not sure who I have to quote here, but I think that someone must have said it to me and I, I don't remember who said it. So give them, give them what they want, but also make sure that you give them what they need. Lovely, yeah. Um, so it's balancing that like it could be a massage for example and I wouldn't recommend like uh, it could be in a, an occasion where people want a scan but what you really need mm. is understanding why you're in this situation and finding strategies how you actually can cope better right um, so it's a bit of a finding finding the balance I guess 
between those. And I think management, like many other terms, we use them as in a professional, well, it's, it's terminology, right? It's, it's basically jargon. And I don't think the jargon is always helpful because there is stigmatization about, around. Mm. And people will, won't be, they won't buy in for that, right? So we, why not doing the same and giving it slightly uh, more accepted label? And I think we had recently, you had John Stone on, on the podcast or on the science sessions we had with him. Um, yeah, and both actually about F&D versus conversion. So the field is moving to F&D, functional neurological disorder now, not because it's something different, than conversion, but it's just more accepted and people are far more willing to to seek for treatment, they'll feel more comfortable with it, mm. they don't reject it. And actually, the, when <laughs> there is even some research, that we, how many people do you need to tell them they have a conversion disorder and mm. pisses up one? You only have to say to two persons <laughs> that they got this and one of them will basically really offended mm. and F&D for example uh, or functional neurological disorder you need like 12 or 14 so the risk of that just the jargon is going to sort of going to interrupt with your treatment is far below so why bother taking the term that is actually being accepted by the patients because it, in the end it's about them right it's not you mm. I don't I don't just just a last note on that but I, I when someone is diagnosed with fibromyalgia I would never I would always check whether what they feel about that condition and how we should call it some people say I, I don't see myself as a fibromyalgia mm. or they can't even express it like fibromyalgia <laughs> <laughs> uh, like fibro whatever mm. and they feel more comfortable with yeah I just got a widespread pain syndrome. Fine, let's call it widespread pain syndrome. It's whatever you feel comfortable with because we're not in a position where we have to. So if we do management, so why? Well, maybe we just find another term that fits that person in that context. I feel really comfortable just being flexible and using the terminology in the way it works for the patient as well. Which sounds lovely, but I'm also, you know, there's a lot of, uh, what's the word, experience and confidence as well in yourself being able to be that flexible, I would say. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let me just summarise a little bit. So, um, wow, we've covered some ground, haven't we? But yeah, we, we talked about, um, I mean, first of all, you're saying how exciting the, the world is at the moment in the world of pain and, and, you know, the clinical world of things progressing how you might connect with other professions and professionals and, and uh, merge together some of your knowledge and, and uh, not just to help you, but it's really about helping our patients, isn't it, as well, mm. giving us um, more scope as well. Um, uh, we talked about um, self-regulated learning, um, both as a way of, you, you know, you expanding and growing, but also uh, caring for yourself as a clinician. And, and uh, we've even come into the idea of whether or not concepts like self-management are, you know, you were there's, there's pros and cons as well within that. Um, but um, 
oh wow, we've gone around. Wow. <laughs> so many topics. Yeah. But we are opening up um, a bunch more as well. But unfortunately, we're running out of time. So I'm going to finish with our with our Le Pub question and. Uh, you know, obviously, what it's going to be, but I'm going to ask um, if you were able to sit down for a, a drink, as we're doing right now. So, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Oh, you've just, yeah, she's just, yeah, just brought it. Bar, she's going to bring a new one. <laughs> mm. So, if you were able to sit down for a drink with two people that really inspired you in your mm. career, um, past or present, who, who would they be? Oh. And, if, and if possible, why? <laughs> yeah, I was worried about this question. I haven't got the time to think about it, obviously. Um, I would be interested to... So, from stories and just a deep interest like Pet Wall, for example. Um, and I think... Patrick Wall, I don't, I don't, obviously I don't know, i never known him, but by the stories, I would be really interested to see what, because he seemed to, he, he, he was definitely someone for a good company and um, great ideas, so especially in that, reading his stuff. Yeah. And, um, and we, I'm going to jump in there, but Le Pub really was, you know, a big part of that was... Um, inspired by Pat Wall's uh, All Learning Should Take Place After 6pm in the pub. So, That's right. Yeah, we yeah. hats Taking off to, to Pat Wall for That's that. That's right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and... Uh, yes, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think Robert Sapolsky is someone I think will be good fun to have alongside then. Like, get to, like, Heavyweights, <laughs> mega minds, mega minds, yeah, yeah. Uh, to share their thoughts about. And from my clinic, they, they were not both not clinicians, but I think I can be part of the conversation to bring in my experience as valid as their ideas, and that will be an interesting one, I guess. Yeah. Good fun. Oh, cool, yeah, great night, I think. Yeah. So, oh well, I'm, I mean, well, just touching base with where we're at i mean it's just what a what a setting to record the yeah. pain podcast so totally. huge thanks to bart thank you very much bart. um for anybody listening if you enjoy what you've been hearing then please uh, like it like the episode follow us um, tell your friends neighbors cats dogs you know whatever it might be <laughs> you know spread the word because we really we're really keen on on growing our knowledge and connecting with other people as well and, and i agree with bart it's really exciting time so um, thanks very much and all the best awesome. thanks timmy